0: You are going to love this episode. Jenna is so relatable when she talks about her personality of people-pleasing. Her light is contagious hearing about the way she changed from two years ago till now. She just got back from her mission a month ago and recounts a few life-changing moments. Then she talks about how her future outlook has changed because of the person she's become through the past two years. Tell me, how would you describe yourself growing up?
1: Growing up the first word that comes to mind is people pleaser like that is just such a big character trait of mine I feel like and whether that was in school with my teachers with my parents with anybody my friends I just wanted to do whatever it took to please them whether that meant following the rules being obedient I would just do anything to please other people because that's kind of where I got my validation So that was just everything to me So I was like very much a rule follower straight-A student all those things tried to be as obedient as I could I was not very rebellious because I just wanted so hard to like be not perfect but to please people what about, how do you like please people that
0: that would require something opposite to what you believe?
1: It's hard. And especially in high school, that kind of happens a lot because I'm like, oh, well, I want to please this person, but they're asking me to do things that would make me not please other people. So I have to choose, okay, who am I going to please? Am I going to please my mom or am I going to please my friends? You know, so that also caused a lot of insecurity because then either way, I'm disappointing somebody, which would just make me sick inside, disappointment. So I'm like, okay, hey, well, who am I going to disappoint? And so any situation that involved disappointing anybody, I would avoid at all costs, right, like I just hated that feeling of knowing that like, oh, I I wasn't good enough or they're gonna be mad at me, they're not gonna like me anymore, anything like that, avoided completely. Do you feel
0: like you did a good job at pleasing people in general or do you feel like you were constantly like not measuring up?
1: Honestly, I feel like I did, which is why it kind of got addicting in a way because then I'd please them and then be like, oh, like you did so good, you're so awesome. And I was like, okay, it's working, it's working. So I just keep doing it. So yeah, I feel like in a way it sounds like prideful, but I feel like I did do a good <laughs> job, which is why I kept doing it because I'd receive the validation and I'd like it. So it just became a cycle. So I would just keep doing it, keep doing it because I loved and people would tell me, oh, you did so good. You're so amazing, all that kind of stuff.
0: Like at the time, did you realize that that's what you were doing or
1: looking back, it's just easier to tell? I did not realize I was doing it, but looking back, obviously now on the mission helped me with that a lot, just the self-reflection. But yeah, in the moment, I just thought that's, that's how it is. That's just what you do. I didn't think anything of it what moments have like made
0: you who you are
1: moving out and going to college for my freshman year of a college at UVU was such like a, a rite of passage such an event for me that really impacted everything it impacted my life because all of a sudden so many things changed all of a sudden i was living on my own i took to my own food i was going to college all these different things and also my mission obviously would be something that totally changed my life. So I just think both of those events kind of have led me to where I am today. I mean, I'm not that old, but in my 21 years, those are the two big things I think of.
0: Yeah, okay, wait, so tell me about moving out because you did a year or less a year before?
1: I did three semesters of college before my mission. And yeah, I think moving out was so big for me because... There were so many things like I wanted to do in high school, but like I said, I wanted to be so obedient. So so like I wouldn't do them, I wouldn't do them. So then I moved out and I was like, wait, like I can wear whatever I want and I can, I like dyed my hair pink, like I got a double piercing. I did all these things i had been dying to try, but I didn't because I was like, oh, my, but my mom would get mad or something. So I moved out and kind of went crazy in a way, like I didn't do anything crazy, but in a way I just wanted to, like the first week I dyed my hair pink, got the piercing, like I was just going crazy because I felt like I could do all these things, without having to worry about pleasing anyone. So that was a big thing to just all of a sudden have that freedom and I didn't have a curfew or anything. So, so many things came along with that freedom, but then it was interesting because the satisfaction that I thought I was going to feel doing those things kind of never came or if it did, it was very temporal. So it was so weird because I was just waiting like so long to just finally move out, be who I wanted to be. I kept saying that I just can't wait to be who I want to be when I move out. So I move out do all these things I've been dreaming of and I was like, that was it? I'm like, well, I'm still... I feel like something's... I'm like, that's, that wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. So it was really interesting because i just been dreaming of this moment, and then it came, and I was kind of let down. I was like, oh, it's not as cool as I thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah. And was that something that you noticed in that year?
0: Or was it like later looking back, you're like, actually, I'm probably not going to try all those things anymore because it's not the same.
1: I feel like I noticed it pretty early on because those things were supposed to bring immediate pleasure, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, I thought this outfit was going to be so cute, and I like, don't like it. And just things like that, or like I... <laughs> like put this into pink hair. That was so, such a dumb decision. <laughs> but like I dyed it pink, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be so fun. And then like the next day, I go to school, and I felt stupid. I was like, why do I have pink hair? Just things like that. I'm like, what am I doing? Mm. So that was pretty. That was pretty. Um, soon after when I made those decisions, but yeah. I kind of was like regretted it in a way. Thinking about your parents, because I feel like the common denominator was
0: you went from one day. Feeling the need to please them to the next day, feeling like you didn't need to please them. Right. And I think a lot of people go through that, especially moving out on their own. But they're still part of your life. So, what was it like when they had like negative reactions to your decisions, where you, they were obviously not pleased, but you didn't feel the need to please them?
1: It was interesting because I thought I wouldn't feel the need to please them anymore, but I still did. Because so I'd move out and during the week, it was great. Then I'd go home on Sunday for family dinner, and I would just feel nauseous driving down. I'd be like, oh. Like, what's my mom gonna say? Why did I do this? All these things. And so, like, I remember there's a lot of times where mom would talk to me after and be like, hey, so, like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And I just, like, get so nauseous. And I'd cry, and I'm like, mom, like, it's fine. But then I'd go home back to my apartment, and I'd be like, anyways. Because then during the week, I didn't worry about it. But then on Sundays, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I have to go home today. And honestly, I dreaded it. Not because I didn't want to see my parents or my family. I love them. But I dreaded it because I was like, ugh. Oh, What are they gonna say? Cause I'm not pleasing them right now. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not. So I'm like, and I just wanted to so bad. So I'm like, it's gonna be so hard for me to go home and not like be the perfect daughter anymore because it's obvious that I'm not. So thinking back toward to like high school,
0: growing up with your family, everything, what like struggles have you gone through? And like, how did you get through them?
1: One thing about me is I've always had a very small circle of friends because of this people pleaser thing that I have going on. The more friends I had, that was just more people to please. In my mind so I kind of wouldn't really let a lot of people get close to me because my mind that was just another relationship to keep up another person to to try and please so I kind of just had one best friend throughout all of high school like literally just her we did everything together every weekend was with her we did everything together and then I remember sophomore year all of a sudden she stopped talking to me out of nowhere one day she just ghosted me and I was like what did I do and I I still honestly don't really know but that sophomore year was just so hard because she was like everything to me all throughout middle school like it was just her so at that point, I was like, OK, this is the bad part about having a small circle of friends is if something happens, you don't have anyone. But luckily, around then, that's when I got my first boyfriend. So I'm like, OK, so I've always had that one person because I mean, him broke up and she came back in. So my whole life, I've kind of just had that one person and we hang out every single day, We do everything together. And that's how I like it. And I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because I'm a people pleaser because just I have to please them. And that's and that's easy for me. But that's just kind of how I like it. That's how I work best. If I just have one person who is my best friend 24-7 every day, that's just mm-hmm. kind of how I, how I work. So that was kind of it became a problem throughout high school because if it wasn't a friend if it wasn't a boyfriend i I would need someone so me and a boyfriend break up and next day i'm like okay well who's gonna be my next boyfriend because i need somebody Mm -hmm. and so i just i don't think i was like not liking a guy for more than two weeks like literally all throughout high school always i always had to have someone Mm -hmm. because that's also where i was receiving my validation because if i didn't have someone telling me that i was the best that i was so pretty that i was everything to them i just didn't feel like i was so i just became obsessed with with boys with relationships because I've just received so much validation then I'd get bored I'd get a new one and that was kind of my whole thing throughout high school And then it was hard to have friends that were girls because I was always just with whatever boyfriend it was mm. so then they break up I don't really have anyone to turn to so just get another one it became this vicious cycle of always needing someone but then not having like a constant do you feel like that's a good way to measure your validation I don't think it is because well unless the relationship is really healthy But in my case, most of the times they weren't because they were just high school relationships. But in my freshman year of college, I had a boyfriend and we were very serious. We did for about a year. But honestly, because it was a toxic relationship, when we did finally break up, it just destroyed me because I was like, I thought I was going to marry this this guy. Mm. And so to all of a sudden just have nothing and me and him were like, Like we did everything together and he didn't really let me hang out with anyone else. So it was literally just like me and him, me and him, me and him, which is fun in the moment because you're like, oh, me and my boyfriend, we're so tight, we're best friends. But then to break up, I had no one and I'd honestly sacrificed a lot of my relationships with my roommates and with my family for this guy. Mm. So when we broke up and i didn't have like roommates to turn to and I feel like I couldn't have my, my family to turn to, I was like, I am just so alone right now. And that's when I kind of hit rock bottom. Was because i realized that that kind of isn't a good way to get validation to get happiness is through other people because then if they leave you're just kind of left with nothing and so that was when i really had to turn inward and figure out okay how can i have validation have happiness and just feel content without having someone having to tell it to me every single day
0: yeah totally what did you feel like you your answer was or what what solution did you come up with
1: i remember after me and him broke up I went home on Sunday and obviously I told my parents and they were relieved. They're like, finally. (laughs) And then I was telling them about it because I was like, I wanted to do the cycle again. I was like, well, I'm going to download Mutual and start finding my mom was like, no, no. Like, why are we doing the cycle? So honestly, they sat me down and they were like, listen, there's a way to get validation. That's not through other people. And they're like, you can just, you can do it yourself. And that's when my dad started bringing in like the spiritual side of it. But at that moment, I kind of was like iffy about the spiritual stuff. I was like, okay, my dad always talks about church and everything. I was like, okay. And then we went down and we ate dinner after that conversation. And then my dad went up to go to a meeting. He was like, okay, I'll be back in a little bit. And all of a sudden I just felt like something, I swear something in me just like, I like, stood up and grabbed my dad's arm and I was like, can you give me a blessing when you get home? And he was like, Yeah. And I was confused and he was confused because I've never asked my dad for a blessing. And so he was like, yes. And then he came home and he gave me a blessing. And in that blessing, he mentioned a mission. And I remember being like, "Um, did you just say mission? Because I didn't say anything about mission. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. So he, he said that he felt prompted to say that like three different times and didn't say it the first two times because he didn't want to pressure me into anything. By the third time, he's like, okay, I'm just going to say it. And that moment I was like, I didn't even think about that even being an option. So I was like, well, I've got some, I got to figure this out. I'm like, is this what I'm doing? Is this actually going to happen? So yeah, that night is when I um, went home and I was just prayed about it. I was like, hey, is this actually going to happen? Because I hadn't even thought of it as an option. And I don't know why. I think it's because I was just so into that, that relationship I was in. I was just like, no, I'm going to marry him. So to go home and be like, should I serve a mission? It was just such a cool thing. At the time, you didn't
0: really think that that was maybe an
1: option. But like prior
0: to that, when you're growing up and in church and stuff, like what was your answer if people ever asked you like, Will you serve a mission when you're older?
1: I was always... I always just said no, I don't think so. Like, I wasn't, like, against it. Absolutely not. But I never was like, oh, yeah, totally. It was never my plan. So I was always like, oh, I haven't really thought about it. I don't know. I would just give, like, a wishy-washy. Because I really didn't think about it. I was like, oh, that's for when I'm older. We'll see what happens when I'm I'm there. But, yeah, so it was so interesting. Because even my roommate at the time was going on a mission, submitting her papers. And I just didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, that's what she's doing. Anyways, and so... Mm -hmm. It came to a surprise to literally everyone in my life when I decided to submit a mission because I had not mentioned a word about anything even close along those lines of a mission. And then for me to say, well, I submitted my papers. Everyone was floored. When? Why? Since when did you want to do this? It was really cool, but I also received some backlash, honestly, from people saying, "Um, are you just doing this just to get away from everything? Because of the whole breakup and everything, like, are you just doing this just to leave everything behind and kind of just escape for 18 months? And it was hard for me because I knew I wasn't doing it for that reason. But I could see how it seems like that. So that was hard too because I was like, okay, am I actually doing this for the right reasons? And I'd had a lot of self-doubt. And a lot of people were like, you won't even make it six months. Or people are like, I'll give you three months, all these things. Really? And I was yeah, and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna do it the whole 18 months just because of you guys. <laughs> and so yeah, I did receive some backlash because it was so out of the blue. People were doubting if it was actually genuine, or if I just kinda got excited and like spurred the moment. Yeah, mission sounds fun. Cause a lot of people were like, Do you realize what you're actually signing up for? And I thought I did. I really didn't, but I was like, Yeah, 18 months. And who knows where, but it'll be great. And now being a returned missionary, I'm like, I had no idea yeah. what I signed up for. But in the moment I was like, no, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. And so that was a whole, that was an interesting month to decide to go on a mission, to submit my papers and then to tell everyone, because it was just so different than how I was living like six months ago. When you were going through that year in college, were you like spiritually in a good place or
0: was that also a reason why it maybe caught people off guard?
1: No, I, I was not. And that's also why it caught people off guard because I was so, wishy-washy i was so like some i go some sundays and not really and it wasn't really a priority for me like i wasn't really studying i wasn't really reading my scriptures like i knew it was true like in my heart i knew it but i wasn't really acting on it because it was easier not to yeah you know i'm like well it's easier not to go to church today or it's easier not to do these things, or it's easier not to make time to study and I'll just like go to bed early or I'll just do homework or something. So I was justifying it. So I was not making it a priority at all, which is also why it came as a surprise because people are like, wait, what? Because it's not like I was like, yeah, like all into it, all studying every single day and sharing scriptures. No, that wasn't me. So that's why it also came as a shock because that year I was kind of all over the place. Yeah.
0: And like, honestly, looking back, do you feel like you were prepared to serve a mission or do
1: you wish that you had done more to like prepare? I definitely wish i'd done more i remember someone told me like if you wait till you feel prepared you'll never go so that kind of helped me when i was preparing to be like okay i don't feel prepared but like no one does you know but i I got to the field and i realized that i really was not prepared like my trainer taught me so much i remember she was teaching like one of the lessons for the first time about the restoration and i was like learning stuff too i was like really that happened so just things like that because in the mtc i i was a spanish-speaking mission so the mtc was just pure language we didn't really talk about the doctrine and so I get to the field and I was like, oh, I'm actually like teaching lessons. I also didn't know if I'd be teaching lessons or what the mission was going to be like. We literally taught multiple lessons a day. And so I wish I would have just done more doctrinal study, honestly, because people ask me these hard questions that, and they're like, oh, that's a good question. I should look into that. Luckily, my trainer, like just would open up the scriptures and I was like, okay. So I learned so much from her.
0: And then your decision to serve a mission, like, it sounds like you kind of decided on your own. And then like, what was the process like
1: until you told people? I told people pretty quick because I, I was excited and then the next day I FaceTimed my parents because I wasn't living at home But I wanted to tell them like me. So next day I FaceTimed my parents and I told them And they like weren't surprised because my we just had the, com- the talk like a couple of days ago So my dad was like, yeah, I know I felt it. And then I told my family about a week later They were supportive, but also surprised like since when because I literally not even said the word mission ever So everyone's like, oh, that's that's awesome. Okay. Okay. So but everyone was supportive for the most part and, and my friends, too so it was just a fun mixture of, like, excitement, enthusiasm, shock, but also support, overall just support. I felt so much love.
0: From the time that you got your call, which was to Mexico, what mission?
1: Mexico, Tuxa Gutierrez, which is the state of Chiapas.
0: How long until you actually left to the field? Like, how long did you have to prepare knowing that you were
1: leaving? I got my call the beginning of October, and I left January 31st. I was still going to school. So during those four months, I was going to school, I was working, and it was fun, and again, I was just preparing. and I was trying to study Spanish. I was like doing Duolingo, mm-hmm. getting all my stuff ready. How did you feel when you learned you were going to Mexico? I I couldn't even pronounce the name. Yeah. And at the time, not a lot of people were getting called out of, out of the United States because it was still kind of COVID a little bit. And so I didn't think I was going to. I was like, I would really love to learn another language. That was like my one thing. I was like, try not to have expectations. I would love to learn another language, but I think it'll be in the States. So i thought i was just gonna go somewhere stateside but like another language which was fine that's what i was expecting so to see that i was going to mexico and then spanish speaking i was like okay culture like i remember i looked it up right then and there like i looked up on google and i just saw pictures of it and i was like i can't believe i'm actually gonna be living there for 18 months like that's gonna be my home and i just got so into it immediately like i would search it i think like my background was a picture of like my the state i was going to like i was just obsessed with everything mexico for those whole four months, like everything Mexico. So I got Mexico like necklaces and and earrings and pins. Like I was just obsessed with that, I was so excited. Did it make you nervous like
0: being in Mexico, like safety and culture, like were you nervous or were you just like confident?
1: I, I honestly should have been no, more nervous looking back, but I wasn't, I was like, oh, Mexico is going to be so fun because I was picturing Mexico, like Cancun, like the fun cruise Mexico people go to. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's going to be so fun. So I ended up going to like the poorest state of all of Mexico, very humble. And I was like, oh, this is not the Mexico I was picturing. So I didn't get nervous until I was actually there and I saw my areas and I was like, okay, some areas were safer than others. But yeah, overall, I wasn't nervous even though I probably should have been.
0: How long did it take for you to like, hit a stride and not feel homesick and not feel like 18 months is a long
1: time. Took about two months, I would say. I was still in my training, but those first few months were just so hard because I was doing culture shock and my trainer was Latina, and so she just spoke only Spanish to me, which is good, it helped me learn, but at the time, I just needed to speak English. I just needed somebody because I was literally all alone. I didn't have a phone to talk to anybody, couldn't even talk to her, so I literally had no one. And that's when I really was able to just take the, that first step of faith because I was like, I cannot do this on my own. I'm trying and I can't. I have never felt so alone in my life because I always had something, right? I always had, before the mission, I always had my mom, I always had friends, I always had someone to turn to. And that was the first time in my life where I literally had no one else but Christ. There was no other option, which is what I think faith really is when there is no other option. And so that's when I really just like fell on my knees and I was like, okay, hey, I need to learn this language. I'm gonna be here for so long, like next year at this time I will still be here and I will still have six months left. Like I could not just, I could not fathom that 18 months I was gonna be there the whole entire time. So that's when I really learned just the power of prayer, the power of faith, the, the gift of tongues, and that God really does hear and answer our prayers because I did get through it. But once I just immersed myself and kind of let go, I have like I'd like one foot in home and one foot in the mission because part of me was like, well I could always go home, or I'd be like, well at home they're doing this, but then I'd like. Okay, like, no, I'm on the mission, I'm on the mission. So I'd kind of shift my mind there. But then I'd like, oh, I, I just think about home again. So once I just put both feet in the mission and just immersed myself, it just helped everything. Like everything I didn't like before, I just embraced. I'm like hand, hand washing my clothes is so hard. And I was like, honestly, it's kind of fun. And it's kind of relaxing. Or I was like, the heat is just terrible. I'm like, well, I'm getting tan and it's fun to be. In, I'm like, it's better than being freezing, all these things. I'm like once I just shift my shifted my perspective and immersed myself, it, then it just became so much fun and then the more immersed I was the quicker I got the language and then once I got the language it was so it just kind of just kept snowballing until I just eventually loved it and time just flew yeah um what other ups and downs did you go through on your mission I would say there was one time where I was assigned to train in a trio and those are two big things that I was not going to be used to. That would be out of my comfort zone. I had never been in a trio before, and I never trained before. And I was going to be the senior companion, so I kind of be in charge of all of it. And my other two companions were both Latinas, and I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And it was actually really hard because the person I was training was much older than me, and she did not like Americans at all, and she made that very clear. So she hated the fact that I was a 20-year-old white girl training her. And so it was a hard. It was hard because there was just a little bit of a, a power clash. She always would just search for anything I would do wrong. She'd make fun of my accent. And it was just hard for me because like I said, I was such a people pleaser and I just needed that validation so bad. And she just was not giving it to me. She was just so hard to please. And I'm like, okay, all my companions are pretty easy to please. I know what to do to make them happy, to make them like me, but I could just not get her to to like me. And it was so hard because I just, I didn't know why. I was like, what am I doing? Why does she hate me so bad? When I'm literally just like, doing everything we need to. I'm being obedient. I'm trying to just love her. And I just couldn't. And that was what everyone kept saying. like, just love her. And I was like, I I am. I am. And she just isn't taking it. But I was, so there was things I knew I needed to learn. Like, I think it's just, just, God is just trying to get me to learn humility, patience, all those types of things. But I was just resisting it. I was like, you know what? This transfer is just six weeks. I can do it. I can do six weeks of the trio. So I kind of just dealt with it. Like it was hard. And it would have been so much easier if I'd have just accepted what God was trying to teach me, but I just wasn't. I'm like, you know what? It's six weeks. So finally, the trio's over. I get a new companion in a new area. I leave. My first day there, I get a call from the mission president's wife saying I was going to be in another trio because someone didn't come. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was just in a trio for six weeks. It's someone else's turn. I was like, why me again? But then I literally had to laugh at myself because I knew why. It's because there was something I needed to learn in the other trio that I resisted and that I didn't learn. So God was like, okay. You, you didn't do what you needed to do so here's another option because he'll always provide a way for us to learn what we need to so finally i learned from my mistakes and i just accepted what i need to learn And i was able to grow so much in that second trio because i just let go and i just humbled myself and i was like it's okay to not please everybody it's okay if not everyone likes you as long as you're doing the right thing did you have a
0: lot of um latina companions or yeah. was it a lot of americans
1: no there was about five or seven American sisters in the mission and so the majority were Latinas which once I learned Spanish it was fun but for the first little bit I was like I just want American I just want to speak English but I learned to love my Latina companions just because I was just so fascinated by their culture. Like I would just be asking the questions all day. I'm like, why do you guys do this? Or what do you do about this? What do you think about this? And they'd ask me questions about America, just fun. Why do, you got, why do you guys do this? And I was like, that's a good question. So, and it would help me with my Spanish and I'd help them with their English. So a lot of Latina companions, but honestly, I loved it. I It was so fun to be with someone from a different culture and live with them 24 seven and just see how they are. It was so fun. The homesickness thing, wasn't honestly not a huge problem for me because we did get to call home once a week. So I kind of felt like I was in the loop. Like every single Monday I gotta call my mom. She would tell me everything about what was going on at home. But the hardest thing was when my sister was got pregnant and had my nephew when I was gone, because that would be my first nephew ever. And so she told me she was pregnant my first week out in the field. So when I nine months he was born and he when I came home he was about nine months. And that was a hard couple of weeks when he was born because it was just such a family event just a big event for our family that i wasn't there for and that was hard because i wanted to be there so bad and i'm like i'm never gonna see him as a baby i never saw her pregnant i don't know I'm like that's just such a big stage of life that i completely miss so that was hard too and some holidays were hard thanksgiving was actually harder than christmas for me which was interesting but thanksgiving i was just bawling i was like i this is so hard so holiday holidays the big family events that kind of stuff was hard i also had a leadership assignment my last six months which was hard just because it pushed me out of my comfort zone. But that's where the growth happens. Even though it was a lot of work and some days I was like, I just wish I could just not do this, not have this assignment. Looking back, I'm so glad I did because it taught me again so much.
0: What do you feel like helped you the most when you were feeling like homesick or these big family events you weren't
1: there for? I would just think about what I was doing. I was like, I'm here in Mexico. I'm teaching people the gospel And there's that quote that's such a classic. That's like missionaries are people that leave their homes for 18 months or two years so other people can be with their families for eternity, something like that. And that's just what I kept reminding myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have eternity with my family and I'm going to see that newborn baby and I'm going to have like have him for the rest of my life. Like so I can sacrifice these 18 months because of an eternal perspective. I'm like, this is nothing. 18 months is nothing. So yes, it's hard, but I just remembered how much I was blessing my family, hopefully and myself and how short it really was i was like i have the rest of my life to enjoy all these things i miss to listen to all the music i want to and do all the fun things and watch all the movies these 18 months i can sacrifice i can do this to to show the lord how grateful i am this is the least i could do how were you able to use like
0: your gifts and talents on your mission like you're an incredible singer but and so how were you able to use that but also
1: other gifts and talents that you have singing was fun on my mission i actually bought a guitar down there and there was like some random talent shows Or i'd bring it to members houses and just play like play for them which is really fun one of the things that I enjoy doing is just kind of finding a way to connect with people. And it was so fun. I kind of saw it as a challenge. Every time we'd meet someone new, like how can I connect with this person? Especially being a white American green eyed girl in Mexico, I'm like, let's see if we can find some similarities here with this Mexican man. Let's see what we can do. And it was so much fun because it was, it was just a challenge for me that I loved. I loved hearing about their stories and I'd ask them questions. And I found that if you show interest in people, they're actually, like, they'll totally tell you and open up to you if you show genuine interest. So I'd be like, tell me about that. How'd that make you feel? And all of a sudden, they'd just be telling me their whole life story. And then they were just like, can you guys come over again? And so it was so fun for me to kind of use that. Quality that mm-hmm. I that I have of mm-hmm. being able to just get people to kind of open up. Something I love about the Mexican culture is how they treat each other, how they treat strangers even. Like someone knocks on their door, they don't know. They invite them in. They give them food. They they always offer their house. There's the famous thing like my house is your house. mi casa es tu casa. They literally say that to everybody. They said it to me. Every single person I go to, they're like, if you ever come back with your family, like you, my house is your house. you need a place to stay. Every single person, like random people, they just love each other. They're so open. They just don't judge. They didn't care that I was white. They didn't care if I said something wrong in Spanish. They just loved me and I loved them.
0: What are some things that like, you feel like you really learned that you can apply?
1: I instantly think of just hard work and pushing myself because I guess I didn't really, I was pretty privileged growing up. Like, I never really had to work that hard. And so to get out there and just walk miles a day and sweat and study and read and all those kind of things every single day, was kind of hard because I was used to being able to just kind of, I don't know, just kind of take the easy route, go through life. But to just have to grind literally every single day has really helped me coming home just with like homework and school and everything that you kind of have to like to just be productive, do something every day. You get so much done and to push yourself, do things you didn't think you'd be able to do because there are so many things, just even simple things like learning Spanish that I was like, I cannot do that. There's no way I can do that. And then I did it or that leadership assignment I was talking about. I was like, I can't do this. Why would they ask the American to do it? Like, why didn't I have a a Latina do it? She'd be able to do much better. And then I did it. And the whole cheer thing, I can't do that. And then I did it. So I know that during my life, I can keep applying that. These things that seem impossible, I can think, well, lots of things seemed possible in the mission. I did every single one. So I can do this too. How do you feel like you have changed? That whole validation that I needed so badly before the mission that I would search for in anyone and everyone, I feel like I really don't need that anymore. I feel like I know who I am. I know what I stand for. And I don't need someone to tell me every single day that I'm so amazing. I don't know, Mike. I feel like I know, and the, and the Spirit helps me with that. God helps me with that. And I know who I am. And it's been so relieving to not have to constantly search for that in other people. And it just is very fulfilling to have that within myself, you know? So it just gave me a sense of security in who I am because because of all the things it taught me. I'm like, no, I know that I can do hard things. I know I'm a daughter of God. I know that He loves me and He'll provide a way. And so therefore, there's there's not really reason to, to fear or worry about anything.
0: What kinds of things are you doing now that like because you served a mission that you're like, I will never not do this or I'll always do this?
1: I would say prayer. You just pray so much on the mission. And at first, I kind of like thought it was a joke. I was like, are we literally praying again? Like you wake up, you pray. You pray before you start studying. You pray when you finish. You pray before you go home. You pray when you get home. You pray before every lesson and after every lesson. And I was like, the amount of prayers I say in a day was like comical to me like this is so funny but then it got to the point where again like once you have a year like those kind of things are just normal like it felt weird if i didn't pray like 12 times a day and that's something that i've continued coming home is i just pray so much like before and after everything just i just pray like literally i get in the car i just pray like my i'll just drive safely or before i walk into class I'll just pray that i'll be able to have a good class i'll be able to understand everything just have that constant prayer in in my heart and it makes everything so much easier. I'm like, why did I not do this before? It just gives you a sense of peace going into everything and anything. And it just kind of helps you have that little relationship with God and throughout the day, just to have that that feeling that like He knows you're there, that connection. And so that, that pattern of prayer and so much of it is something that I think I always do. Okay,
0: so let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel like, why do I have to pray about everything when Heavenly Father knows what I'm doing? He knows what it's about to happen. He knows what i'm feeling
1: like right. why do i need to tell him right and there's a scripture about this that's like he knows he knows that we're gonna ask before we ask it or something like that i remember one time on my mission we were sharing that scripture and someone asked us that well then why what's the point why are we asking him if he already knows and i think it's a way for us to to show him effort to show him that we are doing our part like we know that he knows but we're gonna take him out of our day we're gonna kneel and we're still gonna tell him and i think it also shows our gratitude for him and our respect for him as well, to just take that time of our day to still ask for it, even though he knows us perfectly and he knows what we need. And I feel like there's so many blessings that he wants to give us that we just kind of need to ask for. You know, and so the more, the more we pray, the more blessings we get. It's like a win-win. Like, why are we doing this more often? What do you
0: feel like your strengths were as a missionary?
1: I would say, and my mission president helped me see this in myself, because I didn't really consider myself as an example and a leader but he told me in one of my final interviews he goes more people learn from you than you think and he goes i'm not just talking about the investigators he's like so many missionaries have been watching you your entire mission and are watching what you're doing they're watching how you're finishing your mission they're going to watch what you do when you get home so he's like please just continue to be an example and i was like people have been watching me i was like like who i don't know i kind of was like really but then it was fascinating because as i did reflect on that i realized that there's a lot of interactions i had with people because I was more social in my mission than I've ever been. I would just talk to everybody because I wanted to, there's nothing else to do, Like I don't know, I just loved it. I was able to make relationships with people I normally wouldn't have. He said I was a leader and an example and it was really fun for me to, to see myself as that because I normally wouldn't have. And it honestly changed the way that I looked at myself because when I was coming home, he told me, he goes, Please keep being that example because people are going to watch what you do when you go home. What are you you going to keep doing the habits? What are you going to post on on Facebook? Are you going to post like just things like that? So now that I'm home, I kind of always have that in my mind. Like everything I do, I'm like, with the people my mission, like if they saw me doing this, what would they think? Or even my mission president or my old companions, what would they think if they saw me doing this? Or if they saw this picture, things like that. And so it's helped me to... To kind of see myself in that way. How did you feel in the months leading up to you coming home? Every time people would ask me that, I would just say everything. Like I felt nervous, but also so excited. But anxious, but also so at peace. And so it was interesting because every day I'd kind of feel every single emotion. It just depended on the time of the day. But overall, I just felt at peace. Like I, I'm like, hey, no, 18 months. I did it. It's time for me to come home. This chapter is closing and this next chapter is opening. But the last, last days, like my literally my last three days in the mission was heartbreaking because it just felt real because like when you're it doesn't really feel real for the longest time I'm like i don't feel like i am going home in two weeks i'm gonna i feel like i'm gonna just live in chiapas forever with the with my missionary tag on forever and so to go like to the mission home spend the night there have all my stuff packed i was like oh i'm going home i'm not gonna see these people again like it was really just heartbreaking and lots of tears but then at the same time i'd be like i get to see my family and i'm like i get to meet my nephew and i get to do this i get to do this i'm gonna start school and so then i just get so happy so it was just very extreme everything i felt was so extreme like i would either be so sad i was just bawling so happy i was bawling so anxious i couldn't sleep like everything was just so extreme
0: how did you cope with the thought that you're gonna go back home and be in the same scenario that you were in before and you can't be that same person anymore
1: it was hard for me to to think about the difference between yeah who i was before and who i am now but living in the same situation doing the same things as before but i just kept telling myself like these habits are so ingrained into me that it's gonna it, yes i'm living the same scenarios but in a different way in a more elevated way a lot of the times i felt like i hadn't changed i'm like well i'm kind of the same person i was before and a lot of the people that like my friends and family in their last emails to me were like, I can't wait to see how much you've changed. I can't wait to meet the new you. And I was like, guys, I'm the same. Like everyone, I thought everyone had this high expectation of like return to missionary Jenna. Like that was going to be this like mature, this complete different personality, all this different stuff. And I was like, guys, it's still me. But then my last companion told me something that like was so cute. She goes, when you have a plant and you, you're just sitting there staring at it, you don't really see it grow because you're just staring at it. But if you were to take that plant, put not look at it for 18 months and then see it after 18 months you'd see how big the growth is and so she goes jenna you just haven't seen your own growth because it's you right like you've just seen you're with yourself all the time you haven't seen the difference she goes but the people at home are gonna see the growth that you don't see which is very comforting because i was like i'm the same i have not changed and then to realize i guess i have changed more than i thought
0: what kind of feedback have you received from the people close to you like in what ways have they said that you've changed
1: a lot of people are like you're still the same jenna but just more, honestly, a lot of people said I'm more secure, which I didn't think other people would be able to tell. But apparently, um, a lot of people have commented on my my spiritual depth, but in my conversion, which is honestly such a big compliment. People are like, I can tell that you're converted, which is a compliment to me because I am, but I'm glad that it comes off in a way that people can tell. I'm glad mm-hmm. that I can exude that. Because I want to be still be a representative of Jesus Christ. I still want to be an example of that, even without a missionary tag. So when people tell me that kind of stuff, it just makes me so happy. I'm like, thank you very much. Like I am converted and I do have a testimony and I do know this church is true, even though I'm not a missionary anymore. What
0: are some of the biggest shocks that you experienced coming home?
1: Air conditioning was something that I was just fascinated by. Hot showers with a lot of like unlimited hot showers. (laughs) I'm still getting used to that, honestly. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, how many buildings there are? Just like the economy. I'm just driving on the freeway and there's just building after building after building and there's just so many cars and so many big roads. Like just such a, a established civilization, if that's a good way to put it. And it's interesting to me, how we don't greet each other like i don't know like in mexico you say hi to, you say like good afternoon to every single person you see every single person you walk into a bus filled with people and you say hi to them and they will all say hi back to you and then every person that comes on you say hi to them it's just like you greet everyone so i find myself <laughs> saying like hi to every single person everyone's like do i know you and i'm like well well, no but like hey and so i kind of stop myself from doing that because you literally greet every single person stranger or not and that's something that we just don't do in America so that's when that was like something I had to kind of change like okay we're not we don't do that anymore um and speaking English my last companion was American so I was kind of used to speaking English but there's still some words that I just like trip me up but I do miss speaking Spanish but that's a that was an interesting thing to get used to speaking English 24-7
0: do you have any plans that continue your Spanish
1: yeah so I am currently taking my institute class in Spanish which has been so much fun because it's literally just like a class full of Latinos and then me. And I, the first day I walked in, they thought I was in the wrong class. They're like, hola, como estas? And I was like, bien. And they're like, oh, wait, you speak Spanish? And I was like, yeah, I'm in the right place. So that's been fun because they call me la gringa. And they're like, <laughs> it's just so fun. So that's a way that I want to kind of keep it up because I just really don't want to forget it because I put so much work into it. I'm like, no, I don't want to forget it. So hopefully that class once a week will help me keep my skills brushed up because I'm also going back in December with my mom. So I want to still be able to, to speak it and understand it before that there's yeah. like certain families I want to visit certain food I want to show her restaurants I want to show her things like that
0: are you nervous for her to see like where you served because then she'll like know if it was like sketchy or, I like- know
1: there's certain areas I'm like we're not gonna go to this area but I know I think she's gonna be shocked because like pictures don't really do it justice you know I'm like you don't really see the roads I was on actually like how they were what it was like and so I wonder if she's gonna be like this is where you were like this is what you're walking down I'm like yeah this is what I was doing so I'm excited for her to see that culture. How
0: do you know how much it's your job to push people, invite people into like to being better and following Christ more? Or when do you just know that I shouldn't say anything? It's not my place. I'm just going to love people as they
1: are. Right. Like My responsibility is an RM. Like, how do I? Yes,
0: exactly. Like going forward here, especially after having been doing this for a year and a half, you were supposed to like challenge people and invite them to like change their life. Mm-hmm. And then like, do you still do that now? Or is that not your place?
1: It's interesting just because of certain like family and friends that I have, I like can't do as much as I wish, you know, but there's certain people that I'll hang out with them and I'm like, oh, I I wish I could just share the scripture with her. Like she needs the scripture so bad, but I can't because I feel like she'd get offended. So I don't. But then that part of me is like, okay, but I need to like still share this, like share the gospel. Cause what if she's needing the scripture, you know? And say with my family. Like I have... Some members of my family are inactive and some are more active than others. So it's like, okay, well, what's to, to what extent? You know, I'm like, wait, do you want to talk about the church? Do we not talk about it? And I'm like, okay, well, with her, yeah, we talk about it. So it's kind of hard. You just have to kind of gauge. But a lot of people see me as the RM. I hung out with one of my friends since I've been home. And I got in the car. And the first thing she said to me was, I don't I don't have testimony to me the church. Don't talk to her at the church. And I was like, girl... Like, I hadn't said hi to her yet. I'm like, I'm not gonna just start preaching, but people think that I'm going to as an RM. So that experience actually affected me a lot because I go, is that what people think I'm gonna do? That I'm just gonna hop in the car and be like, you need to be baptized right now. You're like, yes, I'm an RM, but that doesn't mean that I'm not Jenna, you know, like that I'm not your friend. It's been an interesting situation, interesting challenge I've had to kind of gauge every relationship because every single one is different to the point of I would love to talk about gospel stuff. Would you, would you be offended? Do you need it? Are you waiting for me to bring it up? And so it's just, it's just kind of hard. And I just honestly have to follow the spirit to see I think this person we just won't talk about it this person maybe they do need a little message because i just don't want to come off as that one person that like oh she's just an rm like she doesn't even care about me she just wants me to go back to church she wants me to baptize or something like that because i never want anyone to feel like that but it's hard because i want everyone to have the gospel and i want everyone to feel the joy that i feel you just you just can't right you can't control other people's agencies i want them to know that if they ever do then that's totally that's what i'm here for but like just when you're ready right like if you ever need me i'm here But until then, I'm going to wait for you to bring it up because I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to offend anyone. It's hard because you have to balance the being a missionary and preaching the gospel to everyone, but also making sure they don't feel just like a project.
0: So has it been hard to like know how much you can talk about your mission with your family or are they very open with like, tell me about your experiences, but don't preach to me?
1: I don't, I don't see them a ton, but yeah, we honestly, I don't really talk about it a lot because I feel like it's kind of taboo. So I'll, like, sometimes I'll say random things more about the Mexico culture. Like, oh, they have this food, but I don't really talk about the spiritual side of it if that makes sense. so like, I want to talk about mission, but I just talk about the more, the uh-huh. Mexico part of it. The fact that I lived in Mexico for a year and I focus on that, not the fact that I was preaching the gospel for a year and a half. How long have you been home? One month. Okay, yeah. How has the transition been for the past month? Honestly, I was super nervous for it and it hasn't been as hard as I thought, because the culture shock is all like, to my benefit, if that makes sense. Like, I'm like, oh, the hot showers, but this is awesome. Oh, I don't have to wake up at 6.30 anymore but this is, like, great. Because adapting to the mission is so much harder than adapting out of the mission. But the hardest part has been just not getting distracted. Because obviously in the mission, you're like, oh, I'm going to study for an hour every single day. Like, of course. Then you get home and you have work and you have school. And you're like, okay, where did time I don't have that hour anymore. So the hardest part has been having that discipline to keep up those spiritual habits when it'd be so much easier not to because I have so many things I could do in that hour so it just takes a lot of self-discipline to just be like no I'm gonna I'm gonna study I want to make it a priority that's been the hardest thing but like culture wise America is awesome it did help that I started school like I went home had two weeks to kind of like go shopping get everything ready spend time with family and friends and I started school so I didn't have so much time just like sitting at home like being like oh I'm so unproductive I kind of just jumped right in which has been helpful too what are you studying I am studying elementary education at Utah Valley University and I just started my program and so it's been super fun because I'm done with generals and so all my classes are about teaching and it's been so much fun are you
0: living with friends that you've had before or are these all new people
1: yes I'm living with the same girl that I was living with my freshman year of college our moms were college roommates so I've grown up with her she's my day one literally love her so much so she's my room roommate and then the other four girls I live with are all like one of them's her friend and like her mission companions there's, like, connections there, but the one that I'm actually living with is, like, my like my best friend. Like, I love her. So the guys from before your mission, are any of them, like, still in the picture? No, this is actually an interesting story. So I did start dating someone, like, the same week I decided to go on a mission and started my mission interviews. One of my coworkers and I, like, decided to hang out. We were, like, we're friends for months, and finally he was like, do you want to, like, go to dinner? And I was like, yeah. But then on that dinner, I remember being like, I think I'm going to go on a mission. And he was like, oh. But we weren't dating, so I was like, why does he care so much? Anyways, and then we, we kept talking. And we really liked each other, but I was going on a mission. So we had this like expiration date kind of. Uh-huh. So the whole time it was like, okay, but why are we even doing this? And I'm going to leave. And so we're like, hey, well, we'll just keep hanging out because it's fun, but we're not going to be official because that would just be dumb to get attached. Then we kept hanging out. And then finally it was like, he's like, I know this is dumb, but like, I kind of want you to be my girlfriend. And I was like, I kind of just want to be your girlfriend too. So we decided to be official. And so we we're like, is this dumb? Like, you're leaving in three months. Why are we, like, getting all attached? But we just liked each other so much. It was kind of hard. So we did it up until I left. And the whole time, we we're like, does he wait for me? Does he still go on other dates? Like, is this even going to work? Like, 18 months is so long. And I'm like, hey, should I just stay home and marry him? Like, it was just so interesting to get a boyfriend right as I decided to remission. It was kind of, like, contradicting. But I really think it was a test to see if I was still going to go on the mission, right? Like God gave me this like super amazing guy that was like everything that I wanted right before I left. So I was like, case. And I told him that I go, I'm just going to trust God. And if it's meant to be, it'll be. And if not, it won't. So I left on the mission and he was still my boyfriend. And in the first two months, it was hard. Like we like loved each other, but it was hard because... I was in the mission, he was home, we were best friends. And so he's like, okay, I lost my best friend. I'm just sitting here. He's like, I have nothing to do on the weekends. Like I'm just sitting here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I'm in Mexico and I don't have any friends. So I'm just sitting here. So we were both like so alone and it was so hard. And finally I was like, you know what? I think holding on is hurting us more. And I go, I know we love each other but we might just have to let it go to make these next 15 months go by faster. And I was like, so let's just break up. And I go, and you date. And if you're single when I get home, great. If not, that's fine, I understand. And it was a really hard breakup, but it was all over text, obviously, because I was on the mission. And so we ended it. And so the whole last 15 months of my mission, no contact, nothing. Like, I had no idea what he was doing. So when I'm going home, everyone's asking me, oh, like, what are you going to do? Like, I was like, I don't know. He might be married. I was like, honestly, he probably is. I'm like, he might be married because he's been dating. Like, he's been going on dates for the last 15 months, and I have no contact, no Facebook, nothing. I don't know. Anyway, so I get home. He DM'd me, and he was like, hey, I would really like to go to your homecoming talk, but I just want to make sure you'd be comfortable with that. And i was like oh yeah you can come and he comes and i saw him after and some of his family came too because i was his family i love his family and so i saw him and i was like no way i still didn't know if he was married i'm like i don't know what he was doing and then he texted me after he's like would you want to go get dinner sometime this week and i was like yes and we went and it was like we just, yeah we went up and met and got dinner and it was like nothing had changed but also at the same time it was like everything had changed because we both had 18 months of growth we were still the same people but also not at the same time it was like we were kids back then and now we're like adults. It was so interesting the change that happens in, in 18 months. Yeah, we kept hanging out and we're, we're just going to see what happens. But it's been... I've only been home for a month, obviously, so it's like, okay. But it's been fun to to see the growth in him, the growth that he had the last 15 months. And I know that he didn't do it for me because he didn't know if I had a mission. He didn't know if I was going to be interested or single or whatever. And so he makes it very clear. He's like, everything I did, I didn't do it for you. He's like, I did it for me. So that's been so cool to just have him again. So we'll see what happens there.
0: Whether or not this works out, like what kinds of things are you looking for in someone that you'll marry that's different than what you were looking for before the mission?
1: I just want someone who, who loves God more than me. You know, that he would always prioritize God and the church and his testimony over me. Because before the mission, I I, was, I wanted to be the priority. I wanted to be me, 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 me. And now I realize that I would so much rather him choose choose God over me because it shows his priorities, shows his conversion. And I think it would make our relationship better if he did do that because he'd be a man that knows who he is and has that relationship with God. Also, hard work. I don't know, like the, just on the mission to see those elders just like, just grind and like, and preach and serve and help out. I was like, I want a guy who, who does that, who kind of always acts like a missionary. is looking for service opportunities, helps whoever he can and just has that heart, like the heart of gold. A lot of people have been telling me, when I've been telling them I've been dating this, this guy again, they're like, based he's not a return missionary. Like, why are you doing that? Because you are. And I was like, well, I know him, but he has a stronger testimony than half the elders I was serving with. It's literally, like you said, it's a title. And so I kind of have to just be really careful to not focus on the title, but instead focus on the testimony part of it. Yeah, yeah he didn't go, but does he have the testimony of a return missionary? Because that's what they really mean when they're saying is he a return missionary. Does he have the conversion that a return missionary would have? What moments in the future are you like so looking forward to? I am just so excited to, to be sealed in the temple and to have that moment where you realize like, we're literally doing this. We're gonna be together for eternity. And just to be like the newlyweds, like the poor newlyweds in a tiny little apartment sounds so fun to me. And I know that sounds crazy. It's just so cute to me. You kind of just sacrificed everything just to like be together because you just want to be together so bad. Like you don't have money, but you just like want to live together. So I just want to be married. And so I'm excited for that stage of life where it's like just me and him. We just come home from work and like watch her show and make dinner. Like that sounds so fun to me. And then also further down the road to like have a kid just to see my sister with her kid and her husband like the way that I, their relationship has grown to have the kid and the way that it's brought in so much joy and they have like a little family that is so fun to see it's so fun to just have like a little mini you and your husband are you kidding and you just get to like hang out with them all day you just have a little buddy so it's gonna be fun to have a kid too
0: do you feel pressure to like get there within a certain amount of time
1: not really if anything well because i started dating this guy like it's only been a month everyone's kind of telling me the opposite everyone's like slow down yeah. slow down so i honestly don't feel that much pressure which is good because i feel like it stressed me out if i if i did and i would like make rash decisions because be like, well, i don't care who i just want to get married so no i i think i'm like i'm good i just want to be known as like genuine like i when i love someone i just hope they actually know that i genuinely do love them and when i listen to them i genuinely listen to them and when i help them i genuinely want to be there helping them And I never want to be fake and I want people to to be like, oh, she's just saying that. She's just doing that because she wants. No, like I just want everything to be genuine and real. The mission taught me that too. And I, I like to think that my mission was genuine, that I genuinely served the Lord for him, for my testimony, not for anything else. And hopefully everything I do from here on out kind of showcases that. I'm doing this all for the right reasons and I hope people can, can see that and can feel that and that's always my goal, that people can feel that it's real, that I'm not faking anything, I'm not putting on a face, putting on a show for anybody or anyone and that's something that I don't think I would have done before. I feel like I always would put on a face to make sure I was who people wanted me to be or who people thought I should be and now I've learned that it's kind of not worth it and it's worth it for it to just be, to just kind of let go and to just feel every emotion and experience every experience in the fullest, deepest way. I think you are so well-spoken and
0: thoughtful about your life and how you've changed. I love how you talked about finding your own validation without needing other people. You had such a powerful mission and it was so fun to hear about some of the things you learned.